Welcome back to Left of Normal, where everything that isn't right is left, and everything that is left is right. I'm your host, Scott Siri. Uh, as I always start these podcasts, I want to thank you for being here. I love you. I appreciate you. I love that you support this podcast and you hopefully take a little bit of joy in my ramblings. I would also love it if you could share this with your professional or personal network. Uh, that way we can get a big reach on this. We can hit more people. More people can find enjoyment, entertainment, education, and if nothing else, I could get a little bit of hate mail. So last week, we explored ideas on how to get through the holidays. Uh, we talked about the mayhem and the hubbub that come with them. If you're dreading the approaching Christmas gatherings, please scroll on back, check that one out, see if you can set a new plan in place so that you can enjoy peace as you enter the new year. Now this week we are going to look at why many of those on the spectrum are a little better at writing than speaking. I got a few quirks and experiences that have brought me to where I am and how I've capitalized on the ability to write clearly. So for those wondering, this isn't necessarily all about me being a professional writer. I use that term professional a little loosely there. I wouldn't call myself acting in a professional manner 90% of the time. But writing is, after all, how I do make my living. Uh, if you're a business owner, professional entrepreneur, or anything of the sort, and you need some badass copywriting done, hit me up. If you fall into the other category, anything outside of that, or just in the broad category of human, I, and you're knocking around the idea of writing a book, also hit me up. I can help you organize your thoughts and ideas so your book turns out wonderfully. Or if you're like 90% of the population and you're just not good at writing, I can actually write the entire book for you using your voice and your tone. Let's chat about that if you're into that category. Right, let's get into this. That little right, let's get into this. It's uh, actually from, uh, there, there's a YouTuber that I follow. He uh, he talks about First Amendment auditors and sovereign citizens. And he's British. He always says, right, let's get into the video. Anyway, I've divided this into about seven-ish categories or topics or ideas, if you will. Kind of keep us organized. First up, written communication. Uh, well, basically all writing is a form of communicating. I mean this more in the sense of texts and emails. Now, if you follow the Facebook group, I posted a question on Wednesday about whether or not you're better speaking or writing. Uh, one of the comments mentioned writing because with speaking, things don't often come out clearly. For myself, I'm a big fan of written communication for a handful of reasons. First, I can communicate much more effectively and clearly if I'm writing rather than speaking. I can organize my thoughts, delete superfluous words and sentences, edit to enhance clarity, and replace some words with ones that make me sound a whole lot smarter. That last bit's not entirely true. A little bit. Sometimes I use obscure words big words, or otherwise talk grandiloquently, merely because it's much a much more accurate means of communicating. So instead of calling 
to ask questions or relay simple bits of information, I prefer to text it. If it's a little bit longer, I prefer to email it. And now that doesn't mean I refuse to communicate in speech in the uh, spoken form, uh, because I do have a hierarchy of communication methods. I'll lay that out before we wrap up as it involves more than just texts and emails. So the opposite, if you will, of written communication would be spoken communication. And this can also be divided into two subcategories, on the phone and in person. I'm not opposed to spoken communication. I just tend to find it much less effective. And that ineffectivity, which also is, I don't think, a word, uh, is largely due to trying to process the words coming in form a sentence, discover the best word for the situation, which may require a quick trip to the Google and searching for synonyms for whatever word I happen to be trying to locate in my brain. I know it's there, I just can't recall it sometimes. And then as I'm talking, I have to try to think of the next sentence, engage the response, identify which direction they will be taking with that response and quickly come up with a script that I can use and actually multiple scripts based on which response they might end up going with. Maybe they react negatively, positively, indifferently. I have to know what I'm going to say before any of that happens. So on the phone, this can be quite a bit harder than in person. I can't see the other person. So as I'm speaking, I can't tell based on body language and facial cues, which direction they are leaning. So while I may be saying something completely innocent or one that shouldn't elicit an emotional response from them, maybe they have a negative reaction that I can't verify with my eyeballs. Then and I'm done expressing that thought, forming the sentence, or I otherwise conclude so that they have a turn to reply and they're all mad at me for who knows what. Now I quickly have to figure out why and then respond to them. So as phone calls become more tediously packed with spammers and scammers, it's get, this gets even worse because generally if you call, the recipient of that call is on the defensive right away. And that's especially true if they don't know your number and they don't expect your call. Now I am aware that this isn't exactly a left of normal trait. There are loads of people out there that dread phone calls. I hate making them and I generally put them off until the last possible minute. Even when it's to a business, because as soon as, as as soon as you call, you're sent down this rabbit hole of options, where you can press one for Spanish, or press two for the HR department, and press three to be connected to the Dark Prince himself. All of them work, except pressing zero to get to the operator. Speaking of which, a little short story here. I recently had a call into St. Vincent Hospital, uh, which apparently nobody really trusts anymore, so they have to rebrand themselves to Intermountain Health so they can say, oh, hey, look at us, we're a whole new, brand new healthcare company, we're better. Anyway, I had to call because I really needed to get some information lined up, and their phone tree starts out with the same ho-hum garbage. I didn't need billing, I didn't need a particular person, I need an operator. Uh, so I pressed zero, and it hung up the phone. I was like, what in the world? And got disconnected, I guess. I called back, uh, waited for the recording. I pressed zero again, and it disconnected me again. 
I tried a third time, disconnected again, fourth time. I figured maybe they changed their menu and zero doesn't work anymore. So I listened to the big long spiel about how if this is an emergency, I should probably dial 911. And if I'm trying to reach the Miles City office, blah, blah, blah. Finally, at the very end, if you need customer service, press eight. Uh, They've changed it up because so many people, I guess, are just quickly pressing zero rather than suffer through the big ass menu. Maybe that should be a uh, indicator to look into your phone menu, not just change it up to confuse people. Anyway, moving on from the phone, in-person communication, spoken communication isn't quite as tedious when it comes to uh, those visual cues. I can see the other person's reactions to my words. But now I have to suffer through the dreaded eye contact. Uh, For those who don't suffer from the dreaded eye contact inhibition, it's kind of like this. If I'm forced to look you in the eye, then my brain starts to go into overdrive on what your brain is trying to do. Are you staring at my soul? Are you looking at the pimple on my nose? Are you judging me and otherwise making me feel bad about myself? And now I'm thinking about all these things and I forgot to listen to your your words. So now I have to try to go back through and unravel those short-term memories where I was trying to process all these things and pick out the little cues and bits and pieces that I actually did hear and then try to figure out what you were saying based on what I didn't hear. And, And then obviously I'm far behind at this point. So to ensure that I focus on what you're saying and not on you looking into my eyes and straight through into the depths of my soul, I tend to look away a lot. But then if I don't make any eye contact, now you think that I'm not paying attention or listening. So you're getting irritated because I'm not showing enough attention to the conversation, which I am, but then you're mad and I'm upset and ultimately we end up just getting in a big fist fight and then later I text you and say my piece and then you text back and say your piece and we go about our merry way. So that leads us through the written and spoken communication. How about written and spoken thoughts? Written thoughts. By this, I mean journaling and blogging. If you remember back in the earlier days of the internet, a blog was merely someone's personal ramblings on what's going on in their life. Nowadays, it's more of a business has a blog to share information, and I highly suggest you follow some of the blogs that I write because they're incredibly witty and I get paid to write them, so the more traffic they get, the more happier the client is, and thus I get to keep that client around longer. Anyway, uh, blogging is still a popular activity. There are still personal blogs out there, but most of the time, written thoughts are done through journaling. It can still be on the computer. If you remember back in the, again, the earlier days of uh, pre-social media times, there was a website called Live Journal, where people would journal for all to read. Now, personally, I don't really worry about journaling. I don't do it. I found it to be more tedious than fulfilling. I do, however, know there's a lot of science behind how it helps. And if you need to know more about journaling in this sense, I highly recommend you get in touch with Shane Fichter. Uh, He used the act of journaling to actually help him overcome some huge hurdles in life and move from drug addiction to sobriety. Uh, Wasn't 
all just journaling that helped, but it was a big part of it and still is a big part of his uh, effort to move forward in life and constantly become a better person. Check him out, Shane Victor Havoc Mindset. I will tag him in the description. Now, personally, I write down thoughts more as like a to-do list uh, rather than relay my thoughts and ideas and contemplations onto a screen or onto paper. I relay what I hope to accomplish throughout the day, week, month, or year. And around the beginning of the year, I create New Year's goals, resolutions, actions, uh, accomplishments, whatever terminology you want to put in there. Uh, scroll way back to uh, almost a year ago now. I I define that a little bit better, I think. Anyway, we're coming up on that New Year's goal-setting time. Uh, maybe I'll do another episode about that. So I write down those things I seek to accomplish. I don't exactly know where my New Year's goals list is right now. I'm going to have to dig that out. Uh, I write it down because uh, writing things down does two things. First, it solidifies your resolution, your dedication, and your commitment. It's much easier to fudge a resolution if it's just spoken. Even easier if you merely thought it. It's a lot harder to not try if you wrote it down, and even harder still if you wrote it down and you shared it with other people. Task task lists are rather similar. It's easier to stay on task when all of your to-dos and tasks are written down. It goes a little deeper than that, because when you have all these things bouncing around inside your brain, it's really hard to focus on just one of them. And the one that really needs to be done is overwhelmed by some of these other ones that aren't really quite as important. When you write them all down, it's a physical act of moving that thought or idea from your noggin onto paper, where it can be recalled later. So your brain can quote unquote forget about it and really just focus on the more important issues or tasks. All right, so how about spoken thoughts? We got these written thoughts in your journal, your blog, or your to-do list. What about speaking them? Now, it's not something we often do, because if you walk around and just kind of verbally speak out loud every thought that passes through your brain, you get labeled as a weirdo and a lunatic. But there are people that do this all the time. For example, they organize all their thoughts and turn them into public speaking or presenting activities. opportunities. So rather than writing a blog and hoping that people read it, you hop on and make a video that says the exact same thing. Rather than writing a book, you do a 10-part lecture series. Now ideally a lot of those things will go hand in hand, but often people don't write, they talk. Sometimes they write down their thoughts and then they talk into a microphone and record a podcast about writing down their thoughts and then talking into a microphone. Now, as I left of normal, this is one of the times where I feel speaking isn't quite as bad. It's a lot easier than, say, speaking on the phone or a one-on-one conversation. I'd rather write a book and have a million people read it than to get on stage in front of a million people and have all of them looking at me. But if I am prepared for the talk or the presentation or this speaking opportunity, it's really not as bad. It's kind of like this podcast. Uh, Rather than just sitting here alone in my office, I'm standing on a 
stage. A little bit different because I don't have detailed notes to read from, but when I'm giving a presentation, I'm not as worried about trying to figure the audience out. Most of the time, uh, people tune in and they listen. There may be a little question and answer afterwards, but when I'm on stage, I'm the one in charge, I'm in control, and I can get out the communication, the words that I have pre-planned in advance. So all of that to say, answer the question of why left of normals find it easier to write than to speak. Generally, we have a lot of things going on throughout our minds. Uh, other people tend to have this, uh, although I have heard of people that have no inner monologue and they actually can't even uh, visualize shapes and pictures. And I just imagine that they go through life with absolutely nothing in their brain. It's super weird to even think about that. That's a possibility. But a lot of us, we have things going on. And for the left of normal, sometimes you can't grasp those social cues on how to deliver your thoughts, regardless of how great they are, in, a, in an acceptable manner. Then you end up either interrupting or you just don't say anything at all. That especially happens in group conversations. How do I know when it's my turn to speak without just jumping in there and elbowing my way on in? Now, instead, texting, emailing, or otherwise writing my ideas and thoughts down. So why are left of normals often better at writing? Now, this has to do more with uh, uh, writing as professionally kind of what I do. It's not actually true across the board. I've read some writing from Left of Normals that was absolutely atrocious and tons of spelling and grammatical, grammatical errors. But often, the Left of Normal mind can hone in on rules and then follow them meticulously. So I'm not a big fan of AP format, Chicago format, MLA formats, Chicago, Melapo, whatever you want to call it. But if I need to follow a particular one, I can. And so I'll learn those rules and then make sure that I'm writing in that manner. We can also be obsessed with efficient communication, so we learn words that are more accurate and ultimately create a better story. So a couple things to wrap it on up here. Uh, if you need to encourage a left-of-normal child to communicate more clearly, because a lot of them can be difficult to pry information from them. A lot of us left of normal struggle with the talking and excel with the writing. And it can be in yours and their best interest to just have them put their thoughts on paper instead of requiring them to express themselves in an uncomfortable situation that demands eye contact, give them a notebook and have them spell it out. Then they can write, rewrite, edit, delete, redo, change it up until they have the words that actually accurately portray their thoughts. They could read it to you if that's how you choose to do it, or you could read it on your own time and then discuss it or write back to them in that notebook, whichever suits your personality, their personality the best. Now, every child is going to be different because uh, my own child hated the actual idea and it was much harder and like pulling teeth trying to get him to do even a test run with it so just scrapped that entire idea last wrap up here i mentioned my hierarchy of communication needs uh just real quick i want to go through that my hierarchy of needs is text email and phone 
uh, not particularly in that order. If I need an answer like right now or ideally in the next 30 minutes or so, I will make a phone call because more likely it's going to be answered and you can't ignore it as easily or you'd call right back once you're free. If I need an answer sometime in the next couple hours or three hours, I will text the request or information because generally those get decent responses. And then finally, if I need it in the next day or two, I email the request or the information because sometimes we don't check our emails all the time or if it goes to an obscure email address or gets stuffed into a junk mail folder, that's fine. But then if I don't hear back, then it just kind of starts moving up that hierarchy of uh, communication methods. Uh, one last note here. I got like a bunch of last notes here, but uh, one last note here. If you receive a text message that was clearly intended for another person and it accidentally came to you because somebody put a three instead of a two in the phone number, a common courtesy, a nice thing to do would be to respond and be like, hey, Scott, I'm not Bob. You must have the wrong number rather than make me wonder why you're ignoring my texts. So I finally call and I get your voicemail that says it's Dan and not Bob. Anyway, that just happened to me. And so just be a little kinder and respond to those uh, missed texts. For now, you've had a peek into the world where everything left is right. And if it feels right, then it must be left. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, please like, comment, subscribe, join the Facebook community, join the Facebook community where you can feel free to ask any questions you have over there. Remember, the left of normal mind will often prefer communicating in writing. So if I text you a question that requires a yes or no answer and you call me to answer that question, I'm most likely going to ignore the call. And of course, share this podcast with your friends, whether they are left, normies, or right.